So one of the, my favorite movies of all time is Rocky, right? You remember, I remember when I was growing, well, growing up, I was a teenager, but after watching the movie Rocky, I was drinking like, I'd crack eggs in the morning and drink a whole glass. Remember that? Anybody else do that? Raise your hand if you did it. Yes, come on. All right, at least I have some people who would admit it. Got like salmonella. It was awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was a down and out Phillies guy, right? He lived in Philly and, and he was past his prime. And uh, he got a chance to fight the, the world champion, undefeated world champion, Apollo Creed. And they gave him a shot to fight Apollo Creed because he had no chance at all of winning. But I really like this guy, all right, because he, he grew up in, a, in a, a kind of a dumpy apartment, check, all right? He was a poor guy growing up, check. And most of all, and most importantly, he had a turtle as a pet, right? Remember his turtle? Right? I had a turtle. I still have turtles. I'm a big turtle fan, so I'm a big Rocky fan. Regardless of your background and how you grow up, um, we all have a place in our hearts for the underdog. We want to see the underdog succeed. I think it's because we're fallen people and we instinctively know that we're the underdog in a race in a battle against a powerful adversary, a powerful opponent, an enemy called death. We're all in this fight against death. We know that left on our own, there's no way, absolutely no way we're going to be able to defeat him. Like Apollo Creed, death is, death is too strong. Death is too big. And sometimes death is too fast. People try to hold them off, but no one has ever been successful. You know, we try to hold them off in so many different ways, but no one has ever really figured it out. That strategy has never really worked. As we, as we get older, each time we look in the mirror, we see the inevitability of our defeat. It's just, you, 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 as you get older, you kind of look in the mirror, you know, hey, you know, I'm losing, I'm losing this battle. And we, we try all kinds of ways to, to kind of, to, to try to win the battle or to try to put it off. I, you know, I drink smoothies like as much as I can every single day, like really good, not the kind of smoothies that have all sugar in them, but good smoothies, right? All kinds of vegetables and all that. And we put it, I put it in there and I drink, I exercise, I take vitamins. I drink apple cider vinegar with mother every single day, right? If you don't know what that is, check it out. It's really good for you. And I drink baking soda in the water every single day. Don't mix them together, all right? This will be <laughs> I even did baking soda one time. I think it, all that tastes kind of nasty. So I thought, I'll put in some orange juice. Don't do that either. Anything with acid in it, baking soda doesn't get along with that. I try, all, I try all of these things, but the reality is it doesn't really work. Death beats everyone who goes in the ring with him. Death beats everyone who goes into the ring with him. The odds, my friends, are stacked against us. As one person said, the statistics on death are grim, are, are quite grim. One out of one people die. Right. And that's so true. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad odds against us. Right. We're all of us are going to die. Death is going to win. The fight is 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 really a loss to eat every single one of us. Now, when you're younger, you don't really think about it as much. You don't really you know, it doesn't on your mind as much because 
Younger people, like kids, little kids, they don't really think about it much at all. Teenagers think they're going to live forever. They think they're indestructible. But as you get older, you, you realize the futility of that thinking. Your understanding, you, you realize that's foolish thinking, if you will. That's why, honestly, we all love the idea, if you will. We all, we all root for the Rockies in life. We love that idea of the underdog because we're the little guy. And so we love the Cinderella story where, uh, uh, you know, above all the odds, taking on all the odds against overwhelming odds, the, the long shot wins. How many of you remember, actually remember, in 1980, the Olympic hockey team? Remember that? Anybody remember that? 1980, the greatest sporting event of all time. Why? Because we beat, United States beat the Soviet Union at time, that time in a hockey game. You think, well, big deal. What's the, I don't know why you older people get so worked up about that. Because at that point, it's not like now where we put the dream team, you know what I mean, like basketball and the Olympics and stuff. Back then, it was, it was college students against professionals. They didn't call them professionals. The Soviet Union had the greatest hockey team in the world at that time. And they played against a bunch of college students from the United States. And the college students pretty much won. It was unbelievable. It was a miracle, right? It was the miracle on ice. We love that story. We love that type of story. Now, I'm talking about this this morning for one gigantic reason, because we celebrate the fact that you know, we talk about, you know, death you know, cannot be beaten, cannot be beaten. We come here this morning, all of us, right, to celebrate the fact that someone did beat him. Okay? Someone did beat death. His name was Jesus. His name was Jesus Christ. Now, at first glance, Jesus looked like he was going to be like everyone else. Jesus looked like the underdog at first glance. It looked at first glance that Jesus was going to take a beating like everyone else. Jesus was going to go down like everyone else. It was going to be an easy victory for death. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 3, it says this about Jesus. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. You know what that kind of looks like, a root out of dry ground? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. So he looked like just another victim, okay? It looked like just someone else was going to go in against death and just get defeated. Before Jesus faced his enemy, before he went face to face with the enemy, he was beaten to within an inch of his life. I mean, you're going to go into a battle against an enemy that's undefeated against billions of people, right? You think you want to beat your best. And they, they beat Jesus to within an inch of his life. They spit on him, they ridiculed him, they, they belittled him, and then they stuck a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him with a whip so badly you could see his insides and his back. And then they nailed him to a cross. They usually tied people to a cross. They didn't nail people to crosses. They even argued that point until like the 19, late 1950s, early 60s. They, they, had, they had actual proof that they actually nailed people to a cross. They nailed Jesus to the cross, his hands and his feet. They stuck him on a, a, a wooden cross, an old rugged, nasty cross, 
hits the ground and just, can you imagine the, the intensity of that? So he, go, he goes through all of that, he, and he dies, he dies a horrible death. It seemed like at that point, it's like the enemy's like, bam! Got him. Jesus is down for the count. All the people that were around him that were had had such high regards for him of winning the battle. And he was going to be the Messiah and he was going to be the one. And Jesus was going to overturn the Romans and all this stuff. And now he's dead. They thought he was down for the count. They thought he was out. Everyone thought the fight was over for three days. Jesus lay in a borrowed tomb. And the reason we say borrowed tomb is because that first Easter morning, Jesus rose again to victory and gave that tomb back to its rightful owner. Gave the tomb back to its rightful owner. The, the, and on this glorious, on that first glorious Sunday, Jesus knocked the enemy on his back. He got up from the grave historical fact got up from the grave, hit the enemy, knocked him down. Bam! He won the fight. The battle, if you will, was over. Jesus Christ, the only one to ever be was ever able to do that. Jesus Christ rose from the grave and beat the enemy in, in an epic battle, in an epic proportion, if you will. Jesus Christ put an exclamation point on the fight. They thought he was down for the count. He got up off the, camp, uh, off the canvas, if you will. He got out of the grave and he defeated death. Death now was down for the count. He did what no one else had ever done. Jesus Christ was able to do what no one could do before him. See, as underdogs, we come together this morning to praise God for Jesus. Praise God the Father for His Son, Jesus Christ, who defeated this relentless enemy that we all face. We all face. And death is an enemy. And without Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, we die, and that's, it's over. It's over. Like I said earlier, we love to tell stories about those who overcome like, like overwhelming odds, right? We just love to tell those stories. That's what the disciples did. When Jesus rose from the grave, you think, well, he, <laughs> I love your little, you Christians and your little he rose from the grave thing. I, I can prove to you, if you'd love, I would love to get into this discussion with you historically, how I can prove that Jesus actually rose physically from the grave, okay? It's, it's not difficult to defend. And when the disciples saw this, they were, these guys thought it was over. They thought, they, they thought, I put all my faith in this person and now he's dead. But then three days later, he's alive. These men, basically all of them except for one, died for what they believed. Died. Now, if, if, if this isn't true, you know, people, I will die for Jesus now because out of faith. I have faith in Jesus Christ. I have faith. Blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. That's what he said. I have faith in Jesus Christ. They would have had to die for something they absolutely knew to be a lie. All of them. I had to go wacky in the brain and die for something they absolutely knew was a lie. They didn't do that. They, they were willing to give their lives because they actually saw it. And then they loved to tell the story of, of Jesus. 
They went around and they told it as often as they could. Every time they had an opportunity. That's what you read the Bible. It's all about the gospel, the gospel, the Old Testament leading up to the Messiah and the gospel. What I share with you in Isaiah 53 You read through Isaiah 53, the Old Testament, before Jesus was born, that's the gospel in the Old Testament. I can lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Old Testament without the New Testament. So they they were just excited to tell this story over and over. In the book of Acts, Luke describes... He describes the, the, the entire ministry of Peter and John in five words. Preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That's what it says. Preaching Jesus and the resurrection. The entire book can be summed up. Their ministry, Peter and John's ministry, can be, can be summed up in five words. Preaching Jesus and the resurrection. <laughs> and then Paul summarizes the sermon okay, that he preached all over the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, he says, What I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of the greatest story in history. It's the climax. It's why we're sitting here this morning. It's why the world has been completely transformed. Because of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he has done, what he did and what he continues to do for us. This morning, I I just want to remind us why, why the truth of the resurrection is so important in each season of our lives. Why is this resurrection so significant? We're in a series called Seasons and we're going to continue this morning. Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important in each season of our lives? First. Jesus' resurrection is powerful, and and it's, it's powerful because it reminds us that our past can be forgiven. Our past, all the things we've ever done in our past, can be forgiven. I would say that every single person in this room, I don't care if this is your first time in church, every single person in this room recognizes that they're not perfect, that they're imperfect. What the Bible calls that is that we're sinful. All right. You say you're imperfect. The Bible calls that sinful. You're a sinner. All right. No, no, no shock to anyone here. Just get in your car and leave here and have the have the police officer down here stop you and have two people cut you off and a couple things. By the time you get home, you realize you're a sinner. Right. (laughs) It's not rocket science, guys. Right. It's just it's just reality. And in in the face of death, you realize you're a sinner in the face of death. That causes us to feel hopeless and fearful. Okay, when I die, you see those signs along the road, you know, if you were to die today, what would happen? You start thinking about that. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, you know, why, who would waste all that money putting that up? But you start thinking about that. Yeah, if I died today, what would, what would happen? See, if I'm imperfect, and God is perfect, and God cannot be in the presence of sin, okay, and God's in heaven, then I got a problem. If I'm imperfect, God cannot be in the presence of sin, some, there's, a, there's a problem there, okay? Because now I'm separated. I'm here, he's here, I want to be with him, and I got a problem. It, it seems instinctive, instinctive to us to know that we um, are separated from our Creator. 
I think every, I don't think anybody misunderstands that. It's, it's why we, it's why people say. You say, what do you mean? Okay, it's it's why people will say there are no atheists in foxholes, right? No atheists in foxholes, and or, or why so many people come to Christ on their deathbed. Why do you think so many people come to Christ on their deathbed? Why do you think people say there are no atheists in foxholes? Because the reality that we know instinctively that we are separated from our God. And when it comes to that point, you're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down here. Slow down. This, that Billy Joel song. There's a Billy Joel song that says only the good die young. Right? Only the good die young. He says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Sinners have much more fun. And when you're 28, it's so cool. Yeah, sinners have so much more fun. Yeah, I'd rather laugh with the sinner than cry with the saints. Sinners have much more fun. That's awesome when you're 28. Not so much when you're 88. Right? All of a sudden, you start thinking a little differently. Oh, laugh with the sinner. Uh, I'm not really sure now. You're, you, you start to change your tune, if you will. As you get a little older, because you're, you're wiser and you realize Golly, there's, I know there's more to this life. Not really sure what it is, but I know there's more. When you're younger, who cares? You think to yourself, you're going to live forever. But as you get older, you start to realize, I'm not going to live forever. And this is important. We were created to have fellowship with God. But our sin makes that impossible. We were created, Adam and Eve, we were created ultimately. We were all created to have fellowship, to walk in fellowship with God, but our sin makes that impossible. But then Jesus came. He came and he shared a message that we were all longing to hear. Just Jesus shows up. He's born, he comes, and he starts sharing a message that humanity longs to hear. I don't care if you've never been to church before in your life. It's, Jesus loves to say, he loved to say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He said it all the time. Your sins are forgiven. He said it over and over and over again. Jesus can speak on this subject with authority. But he can, because he connected his death, I mean, he connected his death with our forgiveness. Jesus Christ connected his death on the cross with our forgiveness. And see, that therein lies the power. He, he told us that he, we told the disciples, he told us that he was going to die for us. He was going to die in our place, the innocent for the guilty. You say, why did Jesus even die on the cross? Because of what I just said. We're separated from God. God said, this is not a good thing. We've got to do something about this. Sends Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross and takes all of our sin with him. He said, I'm going to die in your place. The guilty, okay, the innocent's going to die for the guilty. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, making our forgiveness a reality. He did it. He paid the price. I love the songs that lead up. If you're here, if, if, if you take the time to really listen to the songs that are played on Sunday mornings, because the, I say this all the time, but the sermon started long before I got up here, right? All the songs we were singing, it's it just amazing. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross to make our forgiveness a reality. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I don't, I don't come here very often. You do not know me. 
and you have no idea. I was, I was afraid the church was going to collapse when I walked in. You know, uh, you know, you don't know what I've done in my past. And there's, there's just no way. If you understood what I actually have done, you would never say that God could forgive someone like me I, I, for my past. I, I, some people just feel incredibly trapped, if you will. They feel, they feel trapped like you're stuck in the past with some guilt or some, some, some regret holding you down. You don't have freedom in your life. You don't feel free. So you're living this life in bondage, if you will, for things that you feel like you've done in your past you can't be forgiven for, and you're not really sure what your, what your future holds because you feel like you can't be forgiven for what's going on now. Your sin, honestly, for so many people, your sin has robbed you of your peace, your joy, your contentment. In life. And so you, you settle for happiness every once in a while. You settle for a little bit of happiness, but you never really experience any peace, any joy, any contentment. Because that's the lie that the enemy keeps telling you. Because to be honest with you, let's just be honest, because that's all the enemy has left after Jesus beat him like a rag doll. That's the reality, all right? Jesus has won the victory, okay, on the cross. He has taken our sin on the cross. So we do no longer have to live in that bondage. We no longer have to live with the guilt. We no longer have to live with the shame. But see, the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He knows the battle's already. The, the war is over. Now the little skirmishes go on and lies to you. Oh, you, you, you don't listen to this pastor. What does he know? No one has ever done what you've done. No one has ever done this or no one has ever done that. You've cheated. You've done this. You've done that. You've lied. You've stolen. Whatever, whatever the case may be. And you can never be forgiven. That is a lie from the pit of hell, I don't know what else to tell you. And that's all the enemy has left in your life because he's been beaten so badly. All he has is to tell you lies. To ruin this life that God wants you to live abundantly and to keep you from eternity and living with Christ for eternity. There it is in a nutshell. That's all he has left. And we buy into it. So many people here this morning are living out their lies instead of God's truth in their life and their purpose. And it's really sad to watch. God could never forgive me for what I've done. That's just not true. Let me, Paul tells us the truth. Here's the truth, okay? Paul tells us the truth in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to these words. And if you disagree, then you're calling God a liar. I want you to be clear, okay? If you, if you say, well, that doesn't apply to me, you're calling God the Father, you're calling Jesus Christ a liar. Jesus has forgiven all of our sins and canceled every debt we owe. Canceled. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. It's been nailed to the cross. So if you're thinking something other than this, it's a lie, and if you're holding on to it and denying it, you're calling God a liar. Because that's what it says. Jesus has forgiven all our sins and canceled every debt we owe. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. Jesus made it possible for your sin to be forgiven. Forgiven. Completely forgiven. It's like, it's like a do-over when you're a little kid, right? You kick the ball in the tree or you hit the ball somewhere. Do-over. You get a do-over. Your life becomes a do-over. The cool thing about being a Christian is every day I get up, I ask God to forgive me the night before. I get up that next day, I ask God to forgive me. I get a do-over. I start all fresh, all over again. 
because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. He washed away. I was thinking about this this week. He washed away your sin. Like my grandkids kind of playing with chalk on the on the driveway. He washed it away like a rainstorm washes away chalk drawings on a driveway. Like a storm coming. They, they, you can draw all you want on the sidewalk. You can go all you want on the, on the driveway. And then when a big storm comes, it just gets washed away like it was never even there. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ is able to do to our sin. As far, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has separated us from our sin. Revelation, Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, he says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And then he just dropped the mic. Boom, right? End of story. He spoke. It's over. No one gets the word after Jesus speaks. He has the last word. Boom, mic drop, walk off the stage. It's done. Anything other than anything you hear other than what the word of God says to you is a lie from the pit of hell. And that's the nicest way that I can put it. Number two, the second reason the resurrection is so significant and so dynamic in our seasons of life is it calls me to live in power in the present. So I get forgiveness of my past, but I can live in power in the present right now. My cousin once said to me, he said, well, you Christians, you know, you spend so much time talking about heaven. You don't spend any time talking about what's going on right now, here and now. You're not living the here and now. And he didn't really understand what Christianity is all about. Because, yes, we have hope for eternity, but we have power in the present right now. Now, I don't know about you, but I need I I don't just need forgiveness For my past, I need power in the present. I got to live right now in the present so I can say, yes, my past has been forgiven. I have a relationship with Christ. I am. I'm going to spend eternity with him, but I need power in the present. Think about it. I need God's power in my life now to keep to, to keep me from messing up, to help me to do the things that I know I need to do and to help me not do the things that I know I shouldn't be doing. I need power right now. I need his help right right in this moment right now to keep my life, honestly, sometimes we can say this, we can all say this, from spitting out of control. For some people, to give you the power, to give you the, the willpower to overcome the temptations that you face and the addictions that you face. You need that power right now to help you forgive or to reconcile that broken relationship. You have broken relationships. You need that power right now to help you reconcile or to help you forgive. It is hard to forgive people sometimes. But you need that power to help you forgive and to reconcile that broken relationship. You need his power to just help you live your life, to teach you how to live your life. It's the power of the the resurrection that allows us to live in victory in the present To help us to allow to live in victory no matter what we've gone through in the past. Not only does he forgive you for your sin, but he helps you overcome the sins of other people in your life. The things they've done to you. He gives you the power to overcome those things. Because honestly, we come, it's Easter, right? And we get Easter eggs and candy and all this kind of stuff. And I want to tell you this morning, it's fine. Eat your candy while you're sitting here. It's totally fine. But here's the deal. The power of the resurrection is so much. Easter is so much more than bunnies and eggs and all that kind of thing. Or 
even coming to church and kind of going through the motion. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ gives you so much to live your present life. The, self, the selfish can become selfless, right? The weak can become strong. I have watched people in this church who are so timid, they don't want to say a word, stand up on this stage and just proclaim and speak and sing and talk. I've watched so many of your lives be totally transformed by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've seen the cruel become kind. God's power can transform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. We can't do that on our own. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross and we asked him to come into our hearts, that resurrection power is ours. And through that resurrection power, God, the father, can help us become more like his son, Jesus in Christ we have the power of the resurrection. I love it. Just think about it. It's like, it's like flowing through your veins. If you're a believer in Christ and you ask the Holy Spirit into your life, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an absolute fact, is flowing through you. It is the limitless strength that God has given you to overcome whatever you face in your life. You know, it is okay to feel sometimes that you're completely beaten down. But the reality is, if you draw on the power, listen, I'm not talking about drawing on your own strength. I'm not doing a self-help kind of thing right here. Just pull yourself out of your bootstraps. You pull yourself up of your bootstraps sometimes and they snap. Sometimes you reach deep down inside and you come up with bupkis, right? Nothing. But when I draw on the power of Jesus Christ, it's an endless flow of power that allows me to overcome my discouragement and my depression and my weakness and my failures and all those things that keep us in bondage. Jesus has the power to give that he's given us to give us. He's given us a limitless strength in Ephesians chapter one, verses 18 through 20. It says this. Listen to the words. Don't wake up if you're falling asleep. If you're falling asleep. Wake up. All right. It's Easter. Come on. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And listen to this, in his incomparably great power for all of us who believe. Great power. This isn't just Jeff, Pastor Jeff getting up here, getting excited about Incredible strength. This is what it says in the word of God. That power is like the working of his mighty strength right through us, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Again, bam. Exclamation point. God can transform. God can transform any area of your life. You say, I got anger issues. He can do it. He can help you. Through the power of the resurrection, he can help you. Uh, I mean, I, I am impatient. I, I have anger issues. I have this. I, I, uh, I struggle with this addiction. I, I struggle with that temptation. I struggle with this. I, 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 I don't have enough confidence. I live in fear. I have so much, so much anxiety. I have so much stress in my life. All those things, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ can transform you. I can stand up here. I was, sitting, I was standing down there before we got, I got up to preach. Listen to these songs. I started, I started getting all teary and emotional because I'm listening to these songs and I'm saying, that was me. Like, you go back in your life and you think, that was me. You want to talk about being fearful. 
You want to talk about you want to talk about not the idea. Okay, guys, you don't. Some of you don't know me, but let me explain something to you. My greatest fear in life, I mean to the point of um, paralyzing, was to speak in front of anyone. I have no butterflies going on right now whatsoever, at all. How could someone whose greatest fear in life be concerned, you know, like to get up and speak in front of people or get up and read in front of people or get up and do anything in front of people, all of a sudden be transformed into a person who does it. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. That's what I live to do is to invest in your lives and share with you and, and read scripture to you and, and preach to you. And just this is what God has called me to do. How does that happen? You say, well, I'm fearful too. No, you don't understand. I, would, I, remember, I remember having to do it in the very beginning and I would just, I'd almost go blind. I was with fear. And wow, what a transformation. The power of the cross. Oh, the power of the blood. Oh, the power of the cross. God can transform any area of our lives. If you're, if you, if you're a person, you say, well, you know, I know that guy. He's real, whatever. I know her. She's real or she's always been. The great thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that's who you were. Give it a little bit of time. In a few years, the Holy Spirit starts working through your life. All of a sudden, you're, tri- you're a different person. If, if you went to people who know me years and years ago and you said, tell us about Jeff Greer, tell us what kind of person he was. Now, the personality-wise, there'd be some, some similarities, but they would give you a completely different picture than the person you know. Why? Because I'm continually being transformed into the likeness of Jesus by God the Father, through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God working in my life. God can transform any area of your life. Number three, last. Why is it so important for every season of our lives? Because, he, because he's risen, because Jesus rose from the grave. I, I have victory for the future. My future is secure. I want you to think about that. My future is secure. My past can be forgiven. My present, right? I can have power in the present and my future, my future, your future is secure. This takes us back to the very beginning. We all feared death. All of us at some point, we, we, we start, maybe not right now because you're too young, you're not thinking about it. But as time goes on, if you don't have, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, it's something we all, we have a fear of death. It's because it steals our future. We don't know what the future holds. Death will take all of our lives. Why would we not be a little nervous about that? At some point, you think, well, that's not true. People are, what, really? Really? You see people go crazy. They think of every, people literally had their heads cut off and frozen, hoping that at some point they're going to be able to redo whatever and pop your head back on someone else and re-unfrozen it or whatever. <laughs> right? Cryogenic, is that what it's called? Cut your head off, you know? I don't need my head cut off because I'm going to be raised from the dead, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in a new heaven, a new earth. We have, our future is secure. Our future is secure. No matter how much we deny it, that's why we have this fear of death. How much we deny it, we know that death will catch up to us sooner or later. But in Christ, again, our future is secure. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, it says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, 
He too shared their humanity so that by his death, listen to these words, that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Bam, he's been knocked out. And listen, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And Jesus said, you don't need to fear us anymore. I won. I conquered death. And because I conquered death, your future is secure. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And those of us who know Christ, we are Abraham's, if you will, descendants. If you know Christ... If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you know that death is not the end. You know it's not the end. You know that it's just a doorway that leads you to a new beginning, to an eternity of, of, of joy and peace and contentment. But the cool thing is, I want to jump back to the present. You can have that joy and peace and contentment now and for eternity and for eternity. This is good news. That's why they call it the good news, right? The gospel, the good news. This is good news. And this morning, I want to give you a chance to begin a new season of your life. I want to give you a chance to just begin a new season because some of you need a fresh start, okay? And, and it, what a great day. You know, what a great day. April 1st, right? Today's April 1st. What a great day to have a new beginning. This is your new beginning for some of you. And I want to give you a chance to start that new beginning. A couple of simple steps. First, recognize your sin. This is not like that difficult, right? We already talked about this in the very beginning. You need to recognize your sin. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what it is. We have all sinned. We are, we are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. That's a problem. I said that in the beginning. That's a problem but it needs to be reconciled. Next step is to accept God's gift. Okay, a forgiveness. It's a gift. God the Father. I want you to hold your hands out like this. Just hold them out for a second. Just for a second. Everybody hold your hands out. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, and God wants to give you a gift. He wants to give you a gift. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, right? That we know that. That's a problem. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. John three sixteen. most of you have heard this. For God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's really simple. I mean, honestly, it's that simple. God is offering you a free gift. You're separated from him. He does not want to be separated from you. And I'll be honest, I think everybody in this room does not want to be separated from him. So God said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to give you this free gift of my son, Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9, it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's what he says. It's as, it's as simple as that. Here's, here, let me try to put it in simpler language. God gives you a free gift and you take that gift. You can't do anything to earn it, okay? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, not by anything. You can't work your way to God. You, can't ne you can never be that perfect. Not by works, so that no one can boast. When you ask Christ to come into your life, here's what happens. I'm, I'm not Jesus, but I'm just a representation of like my point. <laughs> okay? God the Father, Jesus, and you. When God, when you ask Christ to come into your life, Jesus is standing right in front of you. 
God no longer sees you. He no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your weaknesses. He, no longer, he only sees his son. You have Christ. His blood covers you completely. When you ask Christ into your life, Jesus covers you. God the Father doesn't see your sin anymore. That's why we're able to walk and, and into the Holy of Holies, if you will, and start talking with God and saying, in Jesus' name, when we pray, we pray to God. You think, that's no big deal. I pray to God. It is a big deal. Couldn't do it in the Old Testament. Okay? Needed an intermediary. Now Jesus is that intermediary for us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads with me. If you want to begin that new life today, then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. And you don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. I want you to pray this simple prayer. I want you to say, Father, say this in your heart, Father, if this is your desire, okay? If you, if you, if some of you are struggling and you need more, you want to talk to me about the resurrection, you want to talk to me, I will talk you through this. But some of you, you know, you've been, God has been, been touching your heart this morning. He's been touching your heart for a long time. And this morning can be a new beginning for you. So I want you to pray this simple prayer if you want that that new beginning in Christ. Just pray this. Father, I recognize my sin. And I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, I'm tired of fighting my enemies alone. I'm tired of living with guilt or with shame. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of not knowing my purpose. Why am I even here? I'm tired of living in addiction or letting my temptations control my life. Please fill me with your spirit. I want to know that my past is forgiven. I want to know that there's power in my present And I want to know that my future is secure. Father, I want Jesus in my life. I want the power of the resurrection. I want to walk every day of my life from this day forward with you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you continue to just bow your heads. If you prayed that prayer, here's what I'd like to do. One thing is either come to me, come to one of the other pastors. Pastor David will be here. He'll be around in the sanctuary or outside in the foyer. Connect with Pastor David. Let him know you prayed that prayer. And I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I really, really don't. But you made that commitment. What I want to do is close out this service. And if you feel comfortable, if you feel comfortable... As we sing this song, all of us are going to come forward as we close out this song because we just love to do that, come together as a family and sing. But if, if you gave your life to Christ, I want you to just come forward. Maybe be the first one out of your seat to come forward. Maybe, maybe this, this time with God has challenged you. You, you've, you believed for a long time, but you've been living like without power. You've been living a mediocre life. You've been just being carried along. And you really want to to say, no, this morning it's going to change. This morning I'm going to live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
I want things in my life to change. I need some things in my life that need to be transformed. And I want you to come forward as well. I want everyone to come forward at some point. But as we sing this song, if God has changed your life this morning, if God has impacted your life this morning, let's just come forward. Let's just praise him in this last song. Let's, let's, leave, here, let's leave here with a bang. Let's let everyone outside who's walking past a church or if they're driving past a church, let them hear us sing the praises of our awesome, powerful God who raised Jesus from the dead and transformed our lives. And it's in his name we pray it all. Amen.